wonderful God. He is so good and gracious to us. He is patient with us. We've seen that in the Old Testament, as we've seen over and over and over the nation of Israel challenged. But yet in it, God has been faithful, but yet he's also been just. And today we come to one of the major events in the Old Testament. So if you were keeping a timeline of the Old Testament, today we come to that infamous date of 722 B.C. Does anybody know off the top of their head what happened in 722 B.C.? If you know, raise your hand. Or if you have an idea. Okay, because I'd like to, I'm trying to survey you as well. Okay, good. William, what happened in 722 B.C.? You got half of it right. And you got the theme right. It wasn't Babylon. Who was it? Assyria, that's right. Assyria carried away Israel captive, 722 B.C., and then just while we're on dates, in 586 B.C. is when Judah was carried away captive. And just so you all know, these are not dates for the nerdy chronological people. These are important dates for you to understand the basic parts of the Bible as it ties to history. So 722 B.C. is the northern kingdom carried captive by Assyria. 586 B.C. is the southern kingdom carried away captive by Babylon. Let's look at our timeline here. For some reason, I don't see this up here. Do you have it back there, Ethan? Oh, it may be on my end. Let's see. Yes, there we go. So we have our divided kingdom, right? You think you can list all these kings' names? The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. But we're long past all this, aren't we? Long past all of this. There's one observation I'd like to make here, though. As you see the green dynasty of Omri, Ahab, that dynasty there, they were famous for Baal worship. But way back here in Jeroboam the first day is when the golden calves were made by Jeroboam the first, remember? And can anybody remember what Jeroboam called those golden calves? Does anybody remember? What did he call them? Micaiah? They called them, he called them gods, that's right. But he gave them more than just the name God. Does anybody remember what name he gave them? Hannah? Jehovah! Does that make any sense to you? Is Jehovah a golden calf? Yes or no? No. Jehovah's identified to the nations as the creator. But you know, throughout all history, men and women and boys and girls have made up their own gods. Sometimes they make idols for their gods, but they've often made up their own gods and they've made up their own religions. And you know what's really sad? Is when they think that their religion is the true religion. I use the pronoun when they think. We need to ask that as a question of ourselves. Is our religion our own? 
or is it the true religion? Is our religion, is the God that we worship as he has revealed himself in his word or some creation or invention we've made up? So many times throughout Israel, especially in the days of Jeroboam I and continuing all through these kingdoms, they made religions and they said that it was the religion of Jehovah, but it wasn't. So we need to be careful that when we have a perception or a belief about God, that it's not something we've just made up in our own mind or picked up from the world around us, but is it from how God has revealed himself? Really, it's the struggle all through this history. Oh, in the days of Omri, Ahab, and Isaiah, they worshipped Baal. Remember, Joram tried to make it a little bit different, and he was going to worship Baal and the golden calves, Jehovah. It's interesting, because if you actually read throughout your Bible, you'll read about all this false religion and these false gods, so much so that you might get confused. And in fact, there have been people who, who look back and they study archaeology. Archaeology is the study of the things that they find uh, that have been preserved for hundreds and thousands of years. And these things they find, and they find the writings on them, they translate them, they understand it, and, and there's, they're like, hmm, this worship of Jehovah, well, it's about golden calves. And in fact, some people struggle with it so much that when they find all the records talking about the golden calves and about these weird, false aspects of the religion they call Jehovah, then they read the Bible and they're like, hmm, they counterdict. But they don't really counterdict. Well, the records don't counterdict. The records are in perfect harmony. God has been honest. Yes, he revealed himself. He gave his law. And he was perfectly transparent in admitting the fact that his people didn't follow his law. And so when we look back in history and we find all this archaeological evidence about Jehovah, so much of it is not as we find in the Bible. Because the people didn't live it as God revealed it and as God had commanded. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Generation after generation of all of these kings, there was trouble. None of those northern kingdoms were God, godly kings. Now we come to this time, and where we're falling here today is, is near the end. We've heard the prophecies of Isaiah, haven't we? He prophesied to Ahaz. He prophesied to Ahaz of um, the need to believe, but Ahaz wouldn't believe. You see, there's been other prophets. We had Hosea who prophesied in Israel, but they wouldn't listen to him. How many of you remember the prophet who had the plumb line? Oh, my plumb line is no longer plumb. Remember this guy? What was his name? Anybody remember the the prophet who used the plumb line? Amos. Amos had been prophesying to the people. In fact, 
Today, we're going to learn about the fulfillment of Amos's prophecies. Israel is not plumb. Israel is corrupt. And the time of their end is drawing near. Remember, we learned about some of these kings here. You see, there's quite a change here, you know. We have Zechariah. He got assassinated by Shalom. And Shalom got assassinated by Hinnom. And uh, his son reigned. But uh, Pekiah, he got assassinated by Pekah. And then Pekah got assassinated by Hoshea. <sighs> assassinated, assassinated, assassinated. Doesn't sound like a very pleasant time in history, does it? It's because it wasn't. It was a disaster. And if you notice here, you see there the, that the orange for Hoshea kind of isn't solid orange. Well, you know why that is? Is because there was what's called an interregum, which means that there was a time when there was no king. There was so much turmoil, so much trouble, that there was no king. And it's really interesting because the scriptures um, the scriptures reveal this. The Holy Scriptures, God's Word, reveals this by how the chronology is laid out. We know there's this weird gap here. And we, by doing all the math and all the calculations, you can look out in the hallway at all the timelines and see exactly how it all lays out. We know that there's this gap there, but there's no explanation given for the gap. But you know what's really interesting? Is that when we look at other records, this one here is reliable and authoritative and we can be sure of it, but there's other records we find from history of this time period. You all remember the king named Tiglath-Pilaser? Remember him? Tiglath-Pilaser? Well, he had a history. Did you know that? He recorded a history. Now, the Assyrian records, you got to be really careful with them because they, they go all over the place. Sometimes they say this, and sometimes they say this, and oh, you know what they really like to do? is one guy liked to claim the credit for everything that all his ancestors had done for the previous hundred years. And so it's like everybody's claiming credit for everything. Um, and so they, they, Egypt did that. The Assyrian records are like that. Babylon's not quite as bad, but Babylonian records are a little bit like that. That's why it's so refreshing to read this record is because it's reliable and accurate. But it's interesting because when we read the Assyrian record, we learn a little bit about what's going on here. We know that Hoshea assassinated Pekah, but we know that there was turmoil in the kingdom. In fact, even, it says that Ahaz is actually described at one point as the king, not only of Judah, but of Israel. Another little hint that there's a problem. Well, how did it get resolved? Well, you remember Tiglath-Pilaser. Tiglath-Pilaser, he wrote a record. And in his record, he wrote this. They, the people of Israel, overthrew their king Pekah. So that's just exactly what the scriptures say. Hoshea overthrew Pekah. But then listen to what Tiglath-Pilaser says. Listen up, listen up. This is why he wrote it. And I placed Hoshea as king over them. He's going to take the credit for that. Now, what's interesting is we might say, well, that's not what's recorded in the Bible. Well, it is recorded in the Bible that Hoshea killed him. And it is recorded in the Bible that there's um, some discrepancies in missing years, like nobody's king for several years. And perhaps this Assyrian's chronology and his boast is the 
answer as to why Oshia finally gained into power. But it wasn't absolute power. In fact, take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 17. Because in 2 Kings chapter 17, we find out that, um, that Hoshea, Hoshea had been giving presents to the king of Assyria. Well, guess what? That's exactly what Tiglath-Pilaser said too. Tiglath-Pilaser says that they overthrew their king Pekah and I placed Hoshea as king over them. I received from them 10 talents of gold and a thousand talents of silver as their tribute. Oh, isn't that interesting? We now have an ancient record from Tiglath-Pilaser recording the fact that he claims to have put Hoshea in power, which would make sense. And we got details about these presents. The Bible's record, Bible records here in seven, chapter 17, verse 3, that there are these presents. Now, it's interesting because what's describing here is that this is Shalemanasser. That's not the same as Tiglath-Pilaser. Well, we're going to meet, actually, several different Assyrian kings throughout these next chapters. And that's because there was change of, of royalty in the Assyrian Empire. And they rolled over from one to the next. So Tiglath-Pilaser started this tribute, and it continues into the reign of his son, Shalemanasser, the king of Assyria. And Tiglath-Pilaser boasted that it was of 10 talents of gold and 1,000 talents of silver. That's a lot of silver, and that's a lot of gold. Now, who wants to be for me this morning Hoshea? Who wants to be Hoshea? Nobody wants to be Hoshea. Who was Hoshea last time? I think it was one of the Rilamas got to be Hoshea last time. Uh, Elijah, you going to be Hoshea? Yes, come, come, come. And, and I need someone to be Tiglath-Pilaser. Who wants to be Tiglath-Pilaser? Oh, I got to have to pick people. Gavin, you want to be Tiglath-Pilaser? No. Why look at all this money he gets? Uh, Nathan, you come, you come, you come, you come be Tiglath-Pilaser. I need another crown. I need an Egyptian crown. And I need a king from Egypt. Who wants to be the king of Egypt? He's got a cool name. Get this, his name is So. That's an easier name than Tiglath Plasser, isn't it? So, so who wants to be So? Oh, come on, Owen, you can be, you can be So. All right here. So, you're the Israel king. You put on the Israel crown. You're his majesty, so. Now, you are in Egypt. You're a long ways away from all this stuff. But, so why don't, you, why don't you actually come over here, and why don't you sit over there in that throne over there? All right? And here's we, we have Hoshea, and um, here we've got Tiglath-Pilaser. Don't worry. You're going you're gonna to die soon and we'll have to find your son to be king. And guess what? You get to pick your son. Does that sound like fun? Yep. Yeah, I knew that's what you would like. Here we got Tiglath-Pilaser and Hoshea. Now, the scriptures tell us that he assassinated his master, and he became king. Your records claim that you're the one who made him king. 
and it makes sense, so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't contradict the Holy Scriptures, so we'll take it as, as fact. Is that fair? Yeah. He owes you money. Tribute. Tribute means year after year after year. Ten talents of gold and a thousand talents of silver. So you get the treasure, you go gather up the taxes, and you bring it to his majesty. That good? You're okay for another year. Let's learn about these guys. For it tells us here, in the 20th year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hoshea, the son of Allah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. But not as the kings of Israel that were before him. We now have learned something about your character. And you know, this is actually really sad because we've now come to the last king of Israel. And he too, like all of them before him, does that which is evil. That's so sad, isn't it? It says it is not, not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Now, what does that mean? Don't know exactly. I, I think it means that he was not as bad as those before him. But I don't know. In some way, he was different. Well, in the midst of this, Tiglath Pilaster, you remember him. He's the guy who conquered Damascus, Syria. He's the guy who has already carried away captives from Israel. He is the mighty Assyrian king that has put Israel under tribute, demanding gold and silver year after year. But no matter how great and mighty you are, you die. So who's your son? Who's Shalomanasser? Where's he out here? Who's Shalomanasser? Charlie, Charlie is the Shalmanasser. Come, you're Shalmanasser. Well, you know what? There was some kind of a conflict also between you and him. There was some kind of a rebellion here between the two of you. And you too put him in his place and put Israel in their place. And you know what? You liked what Tiglath Pilaster did. <laughs> a thousand talents of gold, or I'm sorry, well, am I missing? I've, help me here, my numbers, my zeros are off. What was it? Ten talents of gold and a thousand talents of silver. Yes. So ten talents of gold is 750 pounds. So talent is about 75 pounds average. It's broader than that, but it's about 75 pounds on average. Well, that's a lot. I don't know. You saw them carry this chest. It didn't look like there was that much gold in there or silver. Thousand talents. What would that be? Ooh, that's a lot of silver. 
add the zeros onto it. Thousand talents of silver would be, what would that be? 75,000 pounds. That's a lot of silver. So I don't think this chest is going to do it. I think you're going to run out. What do you think? Year after year, he brings this. He became his servant. Israel has lost his autonomy. Well, this is a problem. Right? He's running out of silver, running out of gold. The economy is already crushed. They've already had their people carried away captive, a lot of them. And it's just trouble, trouble, trouble. And this big, scary guy is scary. You know how the Assyrians like to depict themselves in their art? Whenever they drew themselves and when they carved themselves on their walls, take my glass of your dad. He took right inside, right inside his, his entrance to his, his palace. He had the whole wall all the way around. It was a room a little bit smaller than this auditorium. And he had carved eight-foot-tall panels of all of his military conquests all around this room. And a lot of it's actually still preserved in the British Museum in London. And, and you know what he did in all of that? Whenever he would bring in a guy like this, he'd bring him into that room and just let him admire the artwork. You know what the artwork was? All of the peoples Tiglath Pilaster had conquered and how he had humiliated them and shown them all their great power. And whenever they drew Assyrians, or not always, but frequently, when they would draw the Assyrians with their enemies, you know what they would do? They would draw the Assyrians as if they were 10 times their normal height, and they would draw their enemies as these puny little people. Let me show you one, just one example here real quick. We're going to come to this later. But here's, here's just one little example here. You see the king? There he is. The king, he's standing up tall there. These are not children. Those are his enemies. We're going to talk more about this particular drawing here because the Bible actually refers to this and we find repeated evidence that that's the way the Assyrians were as in these stone depictions. So there, yeah, that's, that's, that's you. You're the big man. And he's the little man. And he's going to bring me gold and silver. And that's the way it's going to be. Great and powerful Assyrians. But you're running out. You're running out. You're running out. You're running out. It's harder and harder and harder to collect that gold, to collect that silver. You hardly have enough to feed yourself, your people. Trouble, 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 trouble. So, Hoshea's got a plan. See the big bad Assyrians? He's going to find somebody who's bigger. At least he hopes he's bigger. You have any ideas of who that could be? Who might be bigger than these big bad Assyrians? Hmm. Now, if you've been listening to the preaching of Isaiah, you might be thinking, ah, I, I know somebody a whole lot bigger than the Assyrian kings. His name's Jehovah. And not the golden calves, Jehovah. The one who created everything. Ah, perhaps if you had remembered the preaching of Amos, 
where over and over in his sermon is recorded in chapter 5, Jehovah said, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live. Seek the one. Ah, look at this. Amos preached this sermon. Seek him that maketh the seven stars of Orion. Whoo, you guys think you're big. Did you create the seven stars of Orion? Nope. The real truth of the matter is, see these Assyrians, they think they're gods. And they're not. They're but men. But Hoshea, you know there is a God. You know one who really is literally a giant over this guy. You know one who's far more powerful than him. Remember, you're having trouble finding gold. Now, this hasn't been revealed yet in your time, but I'll give you a little bit of, 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 of New Testament truth back in the Old Testament. Jehovah's the one who made the gold and silver, and he uses gold as pavement. Sounds like he's got plenty of it, right? So who's bigger than the big, bad Assyrians? Ah, Jehovah. So you're going to reach out to somebody you hope is big and bad and scarier than him. And it's not Jehovah. No, it's so. You guys remember who so is? Who's so? Oh, there's so. Here, let's, let's bring you into the picture here. People don't know you. Say, you stay there, stay there, stay there. Yeah, here is so. His majesty, king of Egypt. So, so what's so going to do? Well, you're actually not the big bad guy. In fact, actually, you're just as scared as Shalomanasser and Tiglath-Pilasser as Hoshea is. But maybe together, if you and Hoshea team up, hey, he can get on your shoulders. You might be a little bit taller and be able to deal with Shalomanasser. Think that's going to do any good? Well, there's a problem. You're running out of money. You're flexing your muscles. Just again to show you here what's going on. We, we see the Assyrian Empire. Notice the colors here. So the heartland of Assyria is here. That's kind of where it landed, the purple there in the middle. And then it grew out. It, it, it grew out. And you notice the light blue. Oh, as well as the dark purple down here in Egypt. I'm telling you ahead of the story, the Assyrian Empire expanded all the way into your land. And you know it. You know it's coming. So knows it's coming. You're being threatened. This guy here is already tribute to Assyria. And this guy knows it's coming for him. And so you decide you're going to find somebody powerful to join up with. So you know what this guy does? He writes a letter. But let me tell you something about this letter. It's a secret. Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it. It's a secret conspiracy. It's a conspiracy between Hoshea and So. You know what the conspiracy is about? 
Mm-hmm. Him. Shalom and Asser. Because you know what? Hoshea is not planning on paying him this year. And just in case Shalom and Asser doesn't like that, he's going to team up with So to fight against him and gain their independence. So here's this letter. So somebody needs to deliver it to So. You want me to bring it to him? It's a secret. So the conspiracy is made. But you know what? It was a very poorly kept secret. Because you find out about it. Now, how you found out about it, I don't know. It doesn't say. Maybe the messenger who delivered the letter, as soon as he delivered it, went and told you. Or maybe he had spies down in So's kingdom, and they told you. Or maybe he had spies in Hoshea's kingdom, and they told you. Ah, but you knew about it. Look here, back again in 2 Kings chapter 17. We have Hoshea being Shalom and servant, with Hoshea giving him presents. But it tells us in verse 4 that the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to sow king of Egypt and brought no present to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. It's a conspiracy. So what are you going to do about it? You're going to come and you're going to take this king who's your servant and he's no longer king and go throw him in prison. Shalomanasser took him and put him, shut him up, and bound him in prison. There he is. Hey, Oshia, how you doing? You like being in prison? Uh, nobody can see you. You need to come stand here so everybody can remember that's where you're at. Hold on to the bars. Yes, come, come. Hold on to the bars. Okay, this is the way I want you to do it. There, he's in prison. And you know what? Shalomanasser is not done. He's not done. For now that the king of Israel is in prison, time's up. Time's up. He's done with Israel and playing with Israel and dealing with them. You realize he's coming to Israel over and over and over again. And he's carried away captives repeatedly from Israel already at this point. It is now 725, 725 B.C. He's wanting to move on to take care of this guy. He's wanting to flex his muscles and become the great king. 
the empire expanding. But these kings in, in Judah, they just, they, in Israel and Judah, God's empire, he's done with it. He's done with the people. So not only does he shut him up in prison, verse 5 says, Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land. That means that he went through all the land, conquering village after village, town after town, city after city. And finally he comes to Samaria, the capital, the mighty fortress. And it tells us that he besieged it. He besieged it. Now, Samaria is no easy place. Samaria is no easy place. Remember when Samaria was built. Originally, the capital of Israel was in Tirzah. And you remember that Zimri burned down the royal palace on top of himself. And so, when there was that conflict between Timnai and Omri, and Omri winning, Omri decided to build a new capital, not at Tirzah. So he moves his capital to Samaria. And he purchases the land of Samaria, and the reason he chose Samaria is because Samaria has a natural typography that is very defensible. It sits up. It's a natural fortress, and it's a very easy place to defend naturally. And so he built his city on top of that. And over the years, it has been fortified and fortified and fortified. And even when a lot of trouble has happened outside, not at Samaria has it happened. They've not breached the walls of Samaria yet. But Shalmaneser, he's not done with it. He besieges that city. You know how long you besiege it? Three years. And you know what? You never saw the fall of it. Because you die, and your son becomes king. So who's your son? Oh, he gets to return the favor. Who's your son? William, William, come, come. You die. The city of Samaria has been besieged for three years, and he dies. And now it's you. Here we've got him, new king of Assyria. That's how he's known in the scriptures. He, if you go out and look at the timeline in the hallway, you'll see how these different kings lay out and how they fall together. Eventually, we're getting to a king who's the most famous. You probably know his name, um, Sennacherib. That's your son, Sennacherib. Uh, so just before the fall of Samaria is when your dad dies and you become king. Now, let me tell you something about these Samari Samaritans, or not the Samaritans, uh, these Assyrians. Here they are. They're warring against the city. And you see they have these battering rams, and they're breaking down this wall. You see the stones falling down, breaking down? It's because they got these battering rams. Actually, in a lot of these depictions, you'll see a lot of depictions of different battering rams that the Assyrians had developed. And so they come to Samaria, and they are besieged for three years. And it tells us in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 6 that in the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria. That means he won. He broke in. And that's all that's recorded here in the historical record. So do we know anything else that happened? 
Well, we could actually go and we could learn a little bit about what you wrote, what Sennacherib wrote about this event in history and their, and their records. But you know, it's really fascinating because this is not all of the inspired record. Yes, this is all of the inspired record in the historical books. But do you remember Amos? Do you remember Amos? Amos preached some sermons uh, a whole generation ago about this day. He prophesied this very day. And so here in the record of the history, there's very little given. It just says, he took Samaria. Turn with me to Amos. Amos chapter 7. You may remember that Amos was preaching. He was preaching at Bethel. And there was a priest at Bethel named Amaziah. And remember, this is the Bethel where the Jehovah golden calves are. They're not really Jehovah. That's just what they were called. And Amos preaches against those golden calves. And Amaziah, the priest of those golden calves, challenges Amos, reports him to his majesty, the king, Jehu, telling him that this Amos is conspiring against him. And Amos responded to him with a prophecy, with a prophecy. He said, For thus saith Amos, Jeroboam, that's Jeroboam the second, shall surely die by the sword, and Israel shall be led away captive out of their land. Also, Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go flee! Flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. But prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel. It is the king's court. We don't want truth. We want our own religion, our own way. We don't want truth. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, Prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus saith the Lord. I hate to read this next part. Thy wife shall be an harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. This is the judgment pronounced, a prophecy against this false priest at Bethel. Remember back in the record, if we read that again, it says that Samaria was taken. Samaria was taken and carried Israel away into Assyria, just fulfilling this prophecy. But you know what's also interesting? Amos also prophesied more details. If you turn back to chapter 4 of Amos, Amos prophesied against the evil women in the city of Samaria. Remember, Amos is all about the oppression of the 
of the poor. The, the wicked and the evil people of the city were oppressing the poor. They were twisting judgment. They were not doing that which was righteous. They had no fear of God. And Amos prophesied a judgment, a prophecy here. This is a prophecy, prophesied. Not exactly sure when, but between 30 to 50 years before it happened. And here, listen to this. Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountain of Samaria. He's referring to these women as cows which oppress the poor, which curse the needy, which say to their masters, their husbands, bring and let us drink. The Lord God hath sworn by his holiness that, lo, the days shall come upon you that he will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks, and ye shall go out at the breaches, every cow at that which is before her. And ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. Here is a prophecy of what would happen that you would do. Well, there, do you see that? The breaches that Amos prophesied happened. They would take these around and they would go right through the walls. And once they actually conquered the walls, were able to open the gates, they brought these war machines into the city and they would just bust down the houses, punching holes into them. Because see, Samaria was this fortress, so people would find these places and they'd have these hiding places that were built in fortresses inside the city. And they'd bring these in. And you know what? He has record written boasting of how he did this to Samaria. Again, there's no record of it in the scriptures, but there is. Isn't it fascinating here that the record that's actually given in the scriptures is only ever given as a prophecy? A prophecy? God knows the future? And what's amazing about it is that God, when it actually comes to the event, just doesn't bother to repeat the history because he already prophesied it, so of course it was going to come true. <laughs> but what's funny is, this guy, in actual clay tablets that we found, recorded all of this for us, proving, didn't need to be proved, but proving that the prophecy of God was real. These are depictions, they even drew pictures of it, busting down the walls and breaching into the walls. And remember, it says here that we're going to take you and they're going to be let out, taken away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. I, you can't see it real well here, but this is actually a drawing of the Assyrians doing this. Those little enemies there in this picture actually have hooks in their lower lip. And that's exactly what they did. They would bash a hole in the wall of their city, in the walls of their homes, and the way they led them away captive is they took fish hooks and they hooked their lower lip and they drug them out of the hole. Pretty ugly, pretty horrific. And they were so proud of it. They boasted of it in their stones, proclaiming to everyone, look what we've done to our enemies. The fulfillment of exactly what God said would happen. The horrors of Samaria were unbelievable. As Assyria has conquered the land. This is a lot of detail. You can look 
I have this map back. It comes from the Moody Bible Atlas. And um, you can look at the detail here, but the red lines show the nation of Israel being carried away captive. And then it also shows the people coming in. So the land's been deserted of people. You die over there. Well, you've forgotten, actually. Nobody ever knows what happens to you. And um, you go on and you take care of Egypt. You now pay him tribute. Sorry, your conspiracy didn't work. So you just disappear from the scene for now. Egypt still is in play, just so you all know. Uh, We'll find him later. During the days, not so, but we'll find Egypt later in the days of Jeremiah. But here now we have this. The land is deserted. The cities are deserted. All of this is trouble. And what's fascinating is, you see here this picture? This was the prophecy given to Ahaz. You know, the lion with the lamb. The child leading the lion and all of these wild beasts and domesticated beasts together. But you know, that's not what was going on in this land. Because as the land was emptied of people, the land was overrun by lions. Lions overran the land as they attacked people. Scary, huh? Lions overtook the land, which was also a fulfillment of a warning prophecy that God had given to the nation of Israel, saying that if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. This was a prophecy. This was a warning given to Israel. And now it's happened because you have taken all the people out and now the wild beasts have taken over the land. This event here, this little passage here in 2 Kings is very important history for you to understand because up to this point in history when we hear the name Samaria, we think of what? A city. The city is no more. About this time, it transitions now into a region called Samaria, and a people group called Samaritans. Samaritans were not full-blooded Jews. In fact, if we look here in 2 Kings 17 and verse 6, we find that when he carried them away captive into Assyria, it says that he placed them in Halath and in Habar by the river of Gozen and in the cities of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. Here now we get a description of why this happened. You think it was you. The Assyrian thinks, I'm the rod. I'm the rod that conquered them. He boasteth of himself as if he were the axe rather than the one who swings the axe. Here in the rest of this chapter, it's interesting. The history God doesn't bother himself with. What does he bother himself with here recording for us? Why? Listen, why? And so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, 
which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets, Amos being one of them, we've learned about Hosea, Isaiah, and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers and did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he testified against them. And they followed vanity, emptiness, worthlessness, and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made the molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshiped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divinations and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, and to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very wroth with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. The Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king of Jerob, king. And Jeroboam drave Israel from following the Lord and made them to sin a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. As he had said by all his servants, the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. Look with me at verse 8. It says, They walked in the statutes of the heathen and of the kings of Israel. Look at verse 14 after they had been warned by prophets and seers, notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like unto the neck of their fathers and did not believe in the Lord their God. 
And they rejected his statutes, his statutes, God's statutes, and his covenant that he had made with their fathers, and his testimonies which had testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain. Who is your God? Who will you believe? Who will you trust? By whose statutes and testimonies do you walk? Do I walk? We call ourselves Christians. They called themselves Jehovah worshipers, though they were not. Take heed. Are you one who knows the true God as he has revealed himself and creation all around you, and especially and specifically through his word, the Bible? Is your Christianity Bible-based, or is it something altogether different? Meditate on this thought. Think on this, and keep on reading. We don't have time this morning, but it continues on in the chapter. For here now, even after they have been judged, will they learn their lesson? Will they learn their lesson now that the lions roam among them? Well, you'll have to wait till next week to find out. Our great God, we give thanks to you for your loving kindness and graciousness. Even in this, we have seen your righteous judgment. We are reminded of the long-suffering that you endured, the pleading and patience you gave to your people, and yet they rejected it. May we heed you and follow you. May we not be as them who did not believe you, but may we believe you, trust you, obey you, and follow you. May our faith not be an empty or a vain religion, but true and powerful, for you are true and powerful. We commit ourselves to you now, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.